0: Welcome everyone, today I'm recording from the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, Homeownership and Wealth Building Conference. And my guest is Gary Acosta, the co-founder and CEO of NAREP. We're going to walk through NAREP's 2022 State of Hispanic Homeownership Report. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media. And I'm joined today by Alex Ilazai, chief strategy officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Hey Diego, thanks for having me, good to be here. So diving right in, we might be seeing the first glimmers of a rebound in the housing market. How is this playing out in the broker channel? It's playing out really well. So we're excited about 2023.
1: We see a lot of optimism in the market, just like we in 2022 and leading into Q4 and and we're hitting the the ground running uh, really fast in 2023 here in Q1. We're excited about this whole year and what's upcoming. We've launched a lot of new products. We continue to see a lot of optimism in the broker channel overall. And obviously, when we're in a purchase market as we're in right now, that's where brokers really thrive in the more complex transactions with buyers and sellers and agents and a lot more going on. Just brokers are the best place for consumer to get a loan. So we see a lot of uh, them continue to grow
0: and and thrive. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Great. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you. Gary, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks for Inviting me.
0: Great to have <laughs> you here. And it's been great to be at the NARIP event here. I mean, I've sat through some amazing <laughs> sessions, heard a lot of stuff. I got to moderate a session. So Terrific.
1: Yeah. How did that go?
0: It went really well. We were talking, I was talking with Lawrence Yun and uh, with...
1: <laughs> Mark Fleming?
0: And Mark Fleming, um, you know, we talked about interest rates. We talked about affordability, basically. It was was a really good session. So great to talk to you. And I'm really interested to dig into the 2022 Hispanic Homeownership Report. So tell us a little bit about the background of that report and how long you guys have been doing it and what you're looking for in that.
1: Yeah. So um, first of all, we're an organization whose mission statement is to advance sustainable Hispanic homeownership. So our report, which is we call the State of Hispanic Homeownership Report, is kind of our own report card. Uh, How are we doing? And so we've been doing it for about a dozen years, and we look at primarily government data, but also data from other sources as well, including our own. And um, we first take a look and see how Latinos had performed in terms of homeownership over the last year. So we look at those numbers. I can tell you in 2022, um, there were almost 400,000 net new homeowners, Hispanic homeowners in the United States, which is the second largest bump that we've had in about a decade. The homeownership increased by one-tenth of 1%. And the only reason it only increased by that much is because Latinos also led the nation in household formations. So That serves as the denominator, right? So you got households and you've got households that are owner households. And that's the ratio that they use to Established home ownership rates. So it was good in that report in, in that regard. Um, we also look at other indicators and data points such as household formations, um, income trends, and just consumer sentiment. Are people just as enthusiastic about home ownership as they were maybe a few years ago? And that gives us a sense of what likely is to occur in the coming years. And then finally, we make some policy recommendations. On some of the things that we think need to happen for Latinos to continue to grow in terms of homeownership numbers.
0: Well, so as we start this conversation, let me ask you this: because um, we have we have two different terms when we say Hispanic or Latino, do you use those interchangeably?
1: <clears throat> I do. I do. I guess technically, Hispanics um, are folks that come or have uh, Spain in their origin, um, and that may include primarily the Latino populations. I think Brazil ties back to Portugal more. So Brazilians don't consider themselves Hispanics and Spaniards don't consider themselves Latinos. Um, But other than that nuance, it's pretty much the same to us.
0: Well, thank you for explaining that because I know <laughs> that and I, I know that then you throw in that that further thing of how the government wants to track people's uh, the different demographics That's and, true. and what they do. Yeah. So thanks for clearing that up. Well, let's start with, um, you know, you talked about that headline number of kind of like what we've seen growth wise over the last year in right. Hispanic homeownership, you know, pull back even a little bit from that and say, what part of, of homeowners are Hispanic right now?
1: So what percentage of homeowners overall? So um, over the last year, I would say the percentage of homeowners in the United States is a little bit more than 10%, right? So Latinos are about 20%, just under 20% of the population. So we have a homeownership gap that we need to address. But one of the primary reasons that that gap exists is that Latinos are also the youngest demographic in the country. So the average age for a Latino is just under 30 years old the average age of a non-Latino in the United States is almost 40 years old. So Latinos are just starting to enter those prime home buying years. That doesn't count for the entire gap, but it c- accounts for a large portion of it.
0: I think that's a really <laughs> interesting uh, fact. And I think it's one of the reasons that we see that, uh, you know, going out into the future in the next 20 years, this is why they're going to have an oversized impact compared to the other demographics, right? They're going to just be reaching that prime home buying age, and, and they're going to be huge.
1: That's right. So the Urban Institute uh, put out a report a little over a year ago that suggested that over the next 20 years, 70%, and that's 70% of homeownership gains in the United States will come from the Hispanic community.
0: Wow. Huge business opportunity. And I know you've been talking about this for years. We've been reporting on it for years because if if lenders, if real estate agents are ready to serve that population, it's only good for business. That's
1: absolutely right. We used to joke a couple of years ago that the Hispanic market isn't for everyone, just for those companies that want to be in business in five years. Right. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, and I, I like the way you characterize that because it's generally the way we frame the Latino business opportunity. We view it from a business opportunity standpoint. Um, you know, there is, you know, a lot of folks that believe that Latinos are underserved, which they are, um, there have been gaps in that regard for a long time, but the truth is, is that we're all in this business because we want to profit and prosper. And the Hispanic sector represents one of the biggest opportunities from a business standpoint for any company in our industry.
0: I love that. Well, let's talk about some of the factors that impact Hispanic homeownership that might be different than, you know, just your general homeowner. So you already talked about one of them is that um, there it's a very young demographic. What yep. are some of the other things?
1: So um, Latinos have a large um, immigrant population. Um, so therefore, there are sometimes language gaps out there. So we have estimated that roughly 25 percent of the homeownership transactions that involve Latino homebuyers occur entirely in Spanish. Wow. So if you want to serve this segment, uh, having people who understand and c- communicate in that language is important. It doesn't mean that you can't serve the marketplace without that, but it certainly is something that is relevant to a large percentage of the Hispanic homebuyer population. About 65% of Hispanic homebuyers are first-time homebuyers. So, first-time home buyers tend to need um, low-down payment mortgages. Um, so, um, down payment is um, you know a primary barrier to Hispanic homeownership. So, you got to be good at the products that are relevant to first-time home buyers. Uh, so, language um, uh, certainly uh, down payment and down payment assistance could be helpful for a lot of first-time home buyers. Um, Latinos also tend to have small businesses in their household. More frequently, in fact, Latino households are twice as likely as the general population to own a small business, so being able to do loans for self-employed individuals is also something that's important for the Latino marketplace.
0: What about, I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we heard a lot about, you know, the opportunity with multi-gen households mm. and how you can, you know, combine. There are lots of um, people who like to live with their families, have multi-generation. How does that change some of the lending products that you that you might offer somebody?
1: Well, I mean, um, if you're not used to doing loans for folks that have COBRAs, Or might have border income, so people who live in the home and contribute to the household in some capacity, um, you may not be good at doing those types of loans, right? So um, Latinos are much more likely to live in multi generational households. It's sort of cultural. um, And we see some movement in the underwriting guidelines to accommodate that a little bit better. Um, So I tell lenders that it's important for you to have underwriters and processors that uh, have experience with that, um, aren't freaked out when they see an application with two or three co-borrowers. It's not uncommon for that to occur in Hispanic homebuyer transactions.
0: I think it's all about being ready um, to serve this demographic in a way that makes sense, right? It's, it's worth it to, to get up on all those products, to understand that. And, and maybe now in, the, in a time when volume is a little bit lower is a time for people, if they haven't done that in the past, to really look at how they can shore up these kind of lending.
1: You know, I tell lenders in particular that if they want to increase their market share um, in terms of the Hispanic market, they should start first with operations. So a lot of people think that you should start with salespeople, Mm. right? You get people who can speak Spanish, go out to Hispanic neighborhoods and originate loans. But if you don't have the operational support, if you don't have the processors and underwriters that have experience doing a lot of those loans, you're not going to retain those loan officers. They're going to end up leaving and going somewhere else where lenders who have that experience. We rank the top 250 Latino loan originators in the country every year. And we survey them and we ask them, why do you work where you work? which is curious. And they tell us more often than not, because my lender knows how to do the types of loans that I originate, right? That comes ahead of compensation. Uh, It comes ahead of brand. They need to work at a lender that has experience doing those types of loans.
0: And I don't think that's the way that most businesses think first, right? They're like, what's the marketing? What's the sales? What's the, you know, but if you're not ready on the other end. That's right.
1: You're not going to retain those borrowers. Conversely, if you focus on operational personnel, You'll actually attract salespeople who come and service that marketplace well.
0: I think one of the things that I found so interesting about the report was the percentage of Hispanic um, potential homebuyers who are mortgage ready or almost mortgage ready. What did you what did you find?
1: So there's uh, more than 10 million or almost 10 million uh, Latino households that are mortgage ready. And we did that survey in partnership with Freddie Mac. And so we're looking at consumers that have the credit profile, have the income, and who live in communities where there's a reasonable amount of affordable housing stock. So we might have people who can qualify for a mortgage in an expensive market like LA, but there just isn't a whole lot of affordable housing stock. So we look at both, and we've created, as part of our report, a list of the top 25 opportunity markets that we call it. And many of those markets are in the Midwest and the South and more affordable regions of the country.
0: What are you seeing as far as um, people moving to those areas or, or, you know, I mean, we think of um, maybe a lot of Hispanic markets or a Hispanic heavy market being Florida, Texas, yep. um, different parts of the West. What do, you, what do you think about the Midwest?
1: So that is changing and it is unique. And I think one of the reasons why Hispanics were the only demographic to have eight straight years of homeownership growth was because Hispanics are more willing to migrate to areas where there is jobs and affordable housing opportunities. And much of that has been occurring in the Midwest and in the South.
0: Let's talk about the housing markets where you see the most opportunity. So um, what about Florida? What about Texas? Um, is, it, is it mostly in the Midwest or where are those 25 markets yeah. concentrated?
1: So Florida and Texas, are we consider them the South. Okay. And so uh, the top three markets are all in Texas. Um, There are a couple of markets in Florida as well that made our top 25 list. So definitely Texas is probably the number one state uh, where there is the most opportunity for Hispanic homeownership growth. Florida is up there as well. But we also see like Nashville, Tennessee and Omaha, Nebraska and Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin, as being some of the areas where we've seen some of the fastest homeownership growth for Hispanics in the country.
0: I love this, and I think that you know, for lenders out there and and real estate agents that are listening, it's like if you're in some of those areas, or if you want to expand somewhere, this is a great way to do that.
1: It's an interesting sort of. I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote. I was speaking to somebody who runs a community bank in the Midwest, and they said they were vid- visiting one of their branches, and they had three tellers working, and one teller had a long line waiting for customers, our customers waiting for that teller. And the other two tellers were literally twiddling their thumbs. And he thought, what's going on here? And he realized that the teller everybody was waiting for spoke Spanish. And he realized at that point that his market had changed dramatically. And it required him to start thinking differently strategically in terms of his hiring practices, in terms of the products and services that he offered. But that is happening in a lot of markets throughout the country right now. So we're at a point where we're seeing Um, a lot of Hispanic consumer demand in markets like Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee and Charlotte, North Carolina, where the uh, what I call the professional apparatus hasn't really caught up to that yet. So if you are entrepreneurial, if you're looking for growth markets, um, those are some of the markets that really present some of the biggest opportunities.
0: I love that. You know, earlier you talked about how young this demographic is. Um, One of the interesting things about your report is that uh, the Hispanic demographic buys homes younger than right. than other. I mean, the <clears throat> under twenty five percentage is really high.
1: That's absolutely right. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for that. I suppose. First of all, um, Hispanics are truly passionate about home ownership. If you know anything about the Hispanic community in general, you know that family is at the right. center of the Hispanic cultural experience. So a home. Um, is at the center of that experience. So the aspiration to buy a home is very, very high. Fannie Mae does a survey of Mm -hmm. consumers every year. And over the last decade, uh, Latinos have out-indexed the general population in terms of their enthusiasm for homeownership. Even coming out of the Great Recession, that enthusiasm did not wane hardly at all. So it is a very powerful thing. I also tell professionals in the industry that it is the ideal customer Because if you service a Hispanic homebuyer well, they will literally tell everybody they know. (laughs) They will tell their uncles and aunts and cousins and friends and extended family. Everybody will know that you service them well and you'll get referrals for a long time.
0: That's amazing. So, you know, you talked about the fact that uh, many Hispanics are also small business owners. Mm. And I noticed in your report, it had um, some stats about the fact that they are um, a growing population of people who buy investment homes. Is that some of the small business? Is it real estate focused, some of those small businesses? Uh,
1: You know, some of them are. And um, the thing is, that's attractive about investing in real estate for Latinos is it is what I call a tangible asset. It is uh, it has utility. Um, You can touch it. You can feel it. You can experience it. So, you know, on the counterpoint, Latinos uh, under index in terms of their investment in non cash financial assets like the stock market and bonds and index funds, which is something we'd like to see improved a little bit. But it's understandable why they tend to gravitate towards real estate. So, yeah, a lot of the entrepreneurship that we see within the Latino community is in the housing
0: sector. And I I also think, you know, um, this is, you know, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Real estate is such a um, it's such an accessible profession for people. Right. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go to college. Lots of people do for it, but like it's something that um, you can get into. And a lot of people do it if they know someone in it already or if their family members are.
1: And, And that's good. And one of the reasons why we don't see enough diversity in our industry. Is if you ask a hundred realtors how they got into the business, you'll probably get a hundred different answers. You won't. One answer you will never get is that it's what I studied in college and what I you know always wanted to do. Generally, somebody they know invited them to the business, right? And so, to increase those numbers, um, we have to find ways to get that word out in a more organic way. Ironically, one of the reasons that we found or one of the, the ways that Hispanics have gravitated to the real estate profession is after the going through a transaction themselves. So they buy a house, they experience that, they say, geez, that was not a very good experience. I think I can do that and I can do it better. Um, and that's how a lot of them have gotten into the business. And hopefully as more of Latinos get into the business, which is important um, because it is a very complicated process, an intimidating process, and having somebody who can help you navigate through that process, who is from your community, who can speak the language and so forth, is incredibly important. I do think that as that, those numbers increase, organically, we'll see more Latinos gravitate to the business because it is a great business. It is a great opportunity to earn a great living um, if you work hard and you apply yourself. And nobody has ever questioned the work ethic of the Hispanic community.
0: I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about the makeup of your association. Um, tell us what the what the stats are and and who's joining.
1: So uh, we have forty thousand members throughout the country. Roughly two thousand, two thirds of those members are real estate agents and brokers, but a third of those um, members come from the mortgage industry and other sort of ancillary services. So we do have members from what I describe as the entire housing ecosystem, um, and. Um, And our numbers are growing. Um, To your point earlier, uh, our membership was concentrated heavily for our first 10 years in California, Texas, and Florida. Um, But now we're starting to see some of the strongest chapters emerge in some of those non-traditional markets that we mentioned before. Um, Markets like Phoenix, markets like Nashville, Tennessee, and Charlotte. um, And we see more growth opportunities in some of those non-traditional markets like Ohio, Philadelphia, and markets like that.
0: I like your name because the the whole real estate professionals that that can be I mean a mortgage person is in real Absolutely. it's part of the real estate uh, real estate transaction you've got title you've got appraisal there's a range of mortgage you know of professionals within that.
1: That's right. That's right. So all of our our membership is made up of all of those professions.
0: Very interesting. What were for you you've been doing this study for 12 years? I think
1: it's 12 years now.
0: <laughs> what what were some of the things that stood out to you about this years? Uh, findings.
1: So I think, um, I think we touched on this a little bit. The mobility of the Hispanic community was more evident this year. And I think coming out of the pandemic a little bit, that accidentally um, accelerated that process. So I have people in my own office who moved, um, you know, one moved to Texas, another one moved to Nashville. I have another one that works out of Ohio. Um, so, you know, people can re- work remotely now. Um, it's something that's we're just going to have to live with moving forward. Um, and I think that that accelerated the mobility of the Hispanic community overall, moving into areas where there are homeownership opportunities um, and away from some of the higher cost markets where Hispanics have typically uh, resided in large numbers. So that was certainly a big one. Um, you know, some of the headwinds that we experienced last year that I think everybody experienced, just the affordability challenges, uh, the increase in interest rates has created um, a, a scenario that's much more difficult for first time homebuyers in particular. Uh, but the resiliency of the Latino marketplace, people just finding a way to, to buy them home, whether they have to pool their resources with other family members um, Whether they have to sacrifice other things um, that they may want to do or they may want to have just to be able to purchase that home. That was really evident this year. I honestly expected the Hispanic homeownership rate to decline a little bit this year. Just anecdotally, the feedback that I was getting. So I was pleased. But surprised to see that the numbers actually increased almost at at a record pace this past year.
0: It will be interesting to see what that looks like when we finally, maybe this year, get to a less volatile rate environment. It's been so challenging across the board for lenders, for potential home buyers, for real estate, anybody who's involved in this to really chart a course and, and keep going forward because they've gone up and down and up and down it's so fast well
1: there's no question affordability is a big challenge but the feedback we've gotten from a lot of our members is that there is sort of a silver lining in the sense that um, there's not a hundred offers for every one property that comes in the marketplace um there's not as much competition from institutional buyers as there was over the last two or three years as well so it may be more difficult from an affordability standpoint, but it's better from a, a competition standpoint. So that probably explains why we saw an uptick last year that was stronger than we expected.
0: Probably. So, you know, we've talked about the fact that a lot of um, Hispanics are first-time home buyers; that they might be younger. Um, what do you, what does your association, and then in turn, what do your members do on when it comes to education? Because we know first-time home buyers. <sighs> There's a lot more involved there in in getting them prepared.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, our members do a lot of that heavy lifting themselves. There are housing counselors that we partner with. um, Unidos, or what was formerly known as the National Council of La Raza, has a network of housing counselors in a lot of key markets, and they provide a really important service. But our real estate professionals, our realtors who service a lot of buyer side transactions, um, that's just part of the job for them, educating them, educating the entire family, not just the the patriarch of the family. Uh, when a Latino a family purchases a, purchases a home, it's a process that includes the grandmother and the aunt and the uncle and the kids and so forth. So um, it is a labor-intensive process, but it is a labor of love for a lot of our members because they really Enjoy and feel in a great deal of fulfillment when they are able to successfully put a Hispanic family in a home, especially if it's a first
0: time home buyer. You know, I've been struck by this conference. I go to conference, a lot of industry conferences, whether it's mortgage or title appraisal, real estate, and I feel like there is a real um, optimism here. Yeah, And, I, you know, to be honest, it's a little bit, um, Surprising, not not because of your particular conference, but just in general, right? Like, not everyone is feeling optimistic. Why do you think that um, your association or the people here or or you yourself, what is what is there to be optimistic about right now?
1: Well, first of all, it is the nature of the Hispanic community in general, um, the optimism, the belief that um, there's a better life out there for themselves and their families. Um, that is the immigrant um, spirit. Uh, that you might be feeling when you walk through here, which is this spirit of gratitude, this spirit of there's great things out there for us and we have to just continue to um, stay the course and work hard and great things will happen. Um, There's an energy that you feel here at this conference that is unique. We're very proud of that. We call that our secret sauce here at Nara. It is a combination of business opportunity and Hispanic culture that creates that really chemical reaction that uh, that I think defines what it means to be a NARP member.
0: I love that. The other thing that strikes me as, I, as I'm as i here and I'm interacting with people is that not everybody here is Hispanic. That's true. So tell me about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, our mission statement is to increase Hispanic homeownership. So that means that if you support that mission, or you're in the business of facilitating homeownership for anybody, but particularly in Hispanic markets, then there's going to be value that you can receive by participating within the organization. Roughly 20 to 25% of our members are non-Hispanics. And again, they probably reside in a marketplace where there's a very strong Hispanic population, and they're looking for any competitive advantage that they can find to be able to succeed in that marketplace. So Absolutely. We are an equal opportunity organization.
0: And <laughs> it's been an amazing uh, experience to be here. I really enjoy it. And Gary, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for covering the event, for moderating the session, and for being a great supporter of our organization. Thank you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the Rolling Hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st.
0: Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.